0: Hi everybody, I am Chris. I'm the pastor here at Lost Floors Church, and I just want to say thanks for joining us online, and uh, today we're continuing in our sermon series entitled, Being Happy, which is really just a look at the Beatitudes, that Jesus started off his sermon on the mount, which we can find in Matthew chapter 5. He began that sermon with the Beatitudes, And, and basically each Beatitude begins with this idea that Hey, happy are the people. If you want to be happy, you need to do this, basically, which is quite interesting. I, I'm uh, just starting my my goals for 2022, and I always make goals each year. And and this year, as I was as I'm writing out my goals, I'm thinking about this sermon series. And interestingly enough, I don't think I've ever put down being happy. As one of my goals it seems kind of weird right but i honestly put that down this year i want to be happier this year and in all honestly i think all people want to be happy that's what we want out of life is is to be happy and so here jesus is talking to this crowd of people and his own disciples and he's saying if you want to be happy this is how you do it. This is what it looks like. So as we're looking at the Beatitudes, let's keep that in mind, that we want to be happy, obviously, and we want others to be happy around us. And so here Jesus is telling us, this is what this looks like. And so last week, just a quick review, we talked about the word makarios, which is the Greek word for blessed. Blessed because each of these starts off blessed is or blessed is. And, and so Makarios is basically a state of being happy or being joyful. And it's not due to any circumstances or anything else. It's just that that is our state of being. If happy are those, they are in this state of happiness. And so I wanna read to you just the first five, five verses of Matthew chapter 5. It says, One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up in the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. And he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So, Last week's made total sense. If you want to be happy, you humbly fall in love with God and His Word. That totally makes sense to me, and it makes sense to you. If, if you want to be in this state of happiness, well, you humbly fall in love with the God that created you. and You fall in love with His Word, and we challenged each other to spend time in His Word, to spend time praying and, and falling in love with Him this last week. And so today, as we continue in this, it doesn't make quite as much sense to me, if if I'm just being honest. Basically, it's saying, Happy are those who mourn. Happy are those who are meek. I don't like the word meek because I don't like being weak. And I don't like the idea of mourning because that means there's some sort of suffering going on. Uh, We're going to start with verse 4. So the main gist of this little statement by Jesus, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted, is that those that are sad, th- those that have gone through some sort of suffering are going to be better off. They're, they're going to be happy. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Now, I don't think we can deny that for whatever reason, suffering can be a really good teacher. And whether it's it's death or sickness or a bad relationship, or depression or or losing a job or whatever it may be, uh, suffering can be a good teacher if we approach it the right way. Uh, There's a quote by this unknown author that says, we know little about the depths of the human spirit until we have endured suffering. Pain rearranges our priorities. You know, when I was in high school, a tornado actually came through our town and it hit our high school. And it was a direct hit, but no one on campus was actually hurt. There was lots of damage to the buildings, lots of damage to the cars in the parking lot. But as this is going on, my mom is at work on the other side of town and she's listening to the radios. They're down in the basement and the news reporters report that there was a direct hit at Topeka West High School. Well, I'm there and my dad's there. And here my mom is in the other side of town hearing that Topeka West has been destroyed. And she is panicked. There's no cell phones to text. All the the phone lines are out, electricity is out. And so she's at work and she is hysterical. She's thinking she lost both her youngest son and her husband in one day, or she doesn't know. and so She's hysterical and she's upset. And, And later, obviously she finds out we're totally okay. But it was a while after that. And, and it's amazing when something like that happens and you realize that, you know what? I don't care if the cars are destroyed. I don't care if the house is destroyed. But I still have my, my loved ones. And, and so this idea of suffering and pain can actually be something that makes us more appreciative. At times of tragedy can actually create a heart of gratitude. There's actually similar language to this in Ecclesiastes chapter seven. It says, it's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. And then in verse four, it says, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. There's actually this profound wisdom here in these verses. This idea of gluttony and pleasure, uh, although fun in the moment, usually doesn't lead to comfort in the end, as most of us know. Uh, People that that focus on their own pleasures, focus on their own desires, usually do not live a life of happiness and joy. It sounds like it should work that way, but the older you get and, and you look at your life, when you're so focused on yourself, you quite often miss out on true happiness in life. And and Ecclesiastes points out that the understanding that death is a part of life. I I just heard recently that you don't know when you're born, if you're going to get married. You don't know if you're going to have kids. You don't know what kind of job you're going to have. You don't know if you're going to be a raging financial success or not successful at all. However, everyone knows they're going to die. Everyone knows that that is a reality. All those other things might happen, might not happen, but knowing that we will die is part of life. And sharing in the suffering of others, sharing in our own suffering can, can actually be something that is well, it's good for us. And, and, and through suffering and through tragedy is what Jesus is saying is that we will be comforted. Also, this idea of, of mourning, of, of suffering, is I believe that as followers of Jesus, we're called to share in the suffering of others. That we're, We should be comforting those that are going through these times of suffering. And, and by doing that, they're being comforted. And some way we are being comforted through this. When we become cold, when we become uncaring, we are not happy. There's no joy in that because suffering is part of this life. Anne Frank was a survivor of the Holocaust and it, she writes these amazing stories of her time there but one of the witnesses of her, and I find this so interesting in the midst of her time in the camp, it basically says that she wept bitterly all the time and, and often when people are put in those situations where there's just suffering non-stop all around, you become cold, you become uncaring, but not Anne Frank, in fact, one of the other survivors that was with her in the death camp, was quoted as saying this, her tears never ran dry. Her body gave out, but her spirit never surrendered to compassion fatigue. To the end, she was able to mourn. She was blessed. She was a blessed presence for all who knew her. Now think about that. she was mourning, yet yet she was creating a, a joy and a happiness even in the midst of the, of the suffering and the pain because she cared. She was comforting those that were suffering all around her even though she was suffering herself. I believe that, that is the beatitude that Jesus is trying to get across. You want to be happy. You want to be happy in this life. Well, mourn with those who mourn and be okay with tears because you will be comforted the second beatitude today is blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth now i don't like being weak (laughs) because to me meekness is like a weakness right and i don't like the picture that that puts up if we define meek out of our dictionary it says quiet and gentle easily imposed on or submissive I don't like that and and I know to some extent we kind of picture Jesus being that way but yet I think of the temple and I think of Jesus storming into the temple he has created and made a whip and he goes into that temple and he starts turning over tables and, and chasing people out there's nothing meek about that moment in time and, and so if we are followers of Jesus we're supposed to be acting and doing what Jesus did well that wasn't meek yet Jesus is telling us that the meek are going to be happy and they're going to inherit the land I, I guess if I look at Jesus I don't see weak that, that was not him. It, and so I think we need to start today with the second line. And then we're going to come back to the first line, which is this idea of being meek. The, the second line, though, inherit the earth. And so uh, there are first pictures, this meekness, uh, these people inherit the earth. Now the original Greek word here is Aries, E-R-E-S. And it's almost always referred to as the promised land. So it's not just random land somewhere. This is the actual promised land. So to the Israelites, this was this was highly prized land, and, and and so this is what Abraham and Isaac and and all of Israel has been looking at, and they want that. Now it's been in many ways taken from them. Now Rome is in control of their land. They they're living there, but it's really not theirs. And so when Jesus says they will inherit the promised land, people's ears are perking up now because they want the promised land. And so basically what Jesus is saying here is the meek will inherit this promised land. Now, this land, the promised land, has been highly contested for for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. You remember Israel conquered uh, the promised land. And, and, and they lived there and, and they, they flourished there but then over time they were defeated, they were pulled out of it, the temple was destroyed and even even some 40 years after Jesus leaves the earth the temple was destroyed again and, and so this idea of the promised land here is is a highly contested land and here Jesus is saying that these happy meek people are going to actually inherit this land. And think about that. Think for all the people that want that land. Well, The Israelite people. But Rome, who's very powerful. And, and the Israelite people there, you had the priests, you had the zealots, you had these arrogant uh, religious leaders that wanted the land. You had all these descendants of Abraham. They, they, they had the right to this land, right? And so all these different people want this land. And in an I guess it's almost as Jesus is saying that none of these people are going to get the land. The arrogant, powerful Romans aren't going to get the land. Uh, The the arrogant religious leaders aren't going to get the land. Who's going to get the land? Well, the meek. So who are the meek? It must be different than how we view it today. Uh, That's the only thing I can think of. And so we go back and we look at the word that Jesus used. And basically, the, the Aramaic word that Jesus uses has more to do with an obedience to God, an obedience to following God. Now, that sounds better than being meek to me. And so the Greek word used for meek is actually tied to the Old Testament. The word is a virtue of acting halfway between reckless on one side and cowardice on the other, so I want us to understand this. So this word that is used here for meek, it is not necessarily someone cowered in the corner, uh, submissive and weak, but it's someone that that is not completely reckless and crazy, uh, but is not a complete coward either. They're they're walking in the middle middle of this, and that's considered a virtue, especially in that time. That was a virtue. Basically, this idea that you are not out of control, but you're not super weak. You are right in the middle. You are meek, right in the middle. And so if you go back to, to Jesus, he goes into the temple. If you remember that story, he goes in and he's throws this whip out, chases people out. I mean, that's like a crazy thing. And people are terrified of him. There's no weakness there, no cowardice. But he had a purpose in it. He was cleansing his temple. And once everyone is out and gone, he sits on the steps of the temple. And as he's sitting there, some people start making their way to him. Some lame people come close to him and he heals them. Some children come and they start to play around Jesus. And now, the arrogant, the religious leaders and, and those even, even Roman soldiers weren't messing with them. They were all out of the way. But, but these people that were down and out, they were young and had this childlike, they were okay with coming to Jesus. And, and I look at that and I go, that's the meek that we're talking about. They have the power to do what needs to be done. Uh, but they are also are able to love and, and be kind to people. It's this idea of walking in this virtuous way right in the middle, not too out of control and not too weak. There's this place right in the middle. It, if you go to Psalm 37, there's some very similar uh, things to what Jesus is saying here. And so Psalm 37 verse 9 says, For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit land the same land that Jesus is talking about the promised land the evil are destroyed but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land and then in verse 11 it literally says but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity again those walking right in the middle of this virtuous way verse 29 says the righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever Now to me, that's a pretty profound thing, the same land they're gonna inherit. And what are they gonna do? They're gonna dwell in it forever. And so now when we tie Psalm 37 into what Jesus is saying, this promised land that Jesus is talking about, isn't just this earthly land and soil and the temple, it's an eternal land. And so Jesus is promising that the, the meek will be quite happy Why? Because they will inherit this eternal land. As we look at the first three Beatitudes, it seems that Jesus is always pointing to those that are almost the down and out, those that you don't really want to be, right? The the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, that they're going to be happy, that they're going to inherit the land, that they're going to be comforted that they're going to experience the kingdom of God? To me, as you read through these, what I see is that Jesus is always pointing out that the standards that he uses to measure people are not the same standards that we use. And so in this one, the ones that inherit this this promised land, this eternal land, are not the ones necessary that we think Not by human standards, but by God's standards. It doesn't matter about your social status or your wealth or your race or your political stance. What matters is your relationship with the God of the universe. What matters is how you handle and treat other people. That is who will inherit the land.